What up, party people? Trey back at it. Uh, not much going on in basketball land, so we're going to do something a little different today. I'm just a little bored. It's early in the morning. I'm uh, back home in Maine, waiting uh, at the airport to pick somebody up. So uh, I just felt like recording something. I got some time on my hands. Uh, we're going to do a little segment called Trey's Corner, where I just talk about shit I want to talk about. Uh, you know, I got a lot of other interests other than fucking basketball, so I don't need to... It's my, it's my podcast. I can do whatever the fuck I want, right? Yeah, I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so, let's talk about something else. I'm going to talk about some movies I've been watching. Uh, I like movies a lot. I like I like movies a lot. Uh, uh, lately, I've been getting into re-watching some of my favorites, just kind of trying to get inspired. I'm actually writing a movie myself, trying to... I don't know if I want it to be something real, but, you know, I, I like to write, so I'm just trying to do that. But I've been watching movies for my favorites, like the Coen brothers. I love their fucking movies, man. Fargo, that shit's amazing. I love the way... I love the way those guys make movies because they... One, you can tell they, they don't take everything as serious. But also, they're also, like, masters at their craft, like... Everything that they do, they work with the best, right? The, the best actors, uh, they got Roger Deakins on standby for basically all their fucking uh, joints there. Lighting, cinematography is great. Uh, Fargo in particular, I just love that one. That That's a, that's a special one to me. The comedy is so effortless, and there's, there's a way they, they balance, you know, tragedy and, and kind of like farcical situations in a way that doesn't feel, like, stupid, right? Like, I love the Marvel movies and stuff, but, like, it, it's different. Like, they'll have a scene in a Marvel movie where someone just gets, like, where someone dies or whatever, and then they'll just, they'll be, like, some, like, random dumbass joke, right? It's just, like, a really serious situation where it's, like, you know, the tone kind of just switches, like, like that, you know, on a dime, and it's not really handled as well. Whereas Fargo, it's kind of just, like, I don't know, Fargo, the way they handle it, it's a kind of beautiful intersection. I just love that. I love Frances McDormand in this movie. She's really good. Uh, really good at playing this kind of like just superhero cop. I kind of I, I kind of see her as just a really superhero cop, and she's going against this absolute dumbass <laughs> Jerry Lundegaard. Fucking William H Macy, man. He uh, he knows how to do those kind of movies where he's just playing some fucking schmuck. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that movie. Uh, what else have I been watching? Uh, I've been watching a lot of Tarantino. Another one of my faves. Uh, another guy who kind of is able to kind of take serious situations. Oh, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Oppenheimer. Let's, let's talk about Oppenheimer. That shit was... That's a movie, right? I'm not the biggest Chris Nolan guy, right? I think he's good. Good filmmaker. I love... I love... I, I like a lot of his movies. I never really got into the the love territory though, right? Like where it's like, oh, this movie just like speaks to me in in my soul. But I like watching his movies. He's obviously really good uh, at filmmaking. Uh, this is a guy that you know knows his way around a camera. Obviously, like all his movies look gorgeous, just look gorgeous, right? This is a guy that kind of doesn't really. I like the like. Listen, I don't. I'm not anti CGI. I, I love big spectacle movies. Like I love the Avatar movies, but I do. 
like a filmmaker that if they can do it practically, if they can do it in, in camera, they're going to do it. And that's what see, Chris Nolan is going to do. He's going to do it in camera. He's not going to, you know, fuck around with some bullshit uh, CGI <laughs> to do to do his movies. And I, I also love myself a good adult drama with adult actors just kind of, you know, talking about adult things. <laughs> I always call the movies like uh, motherfuckers looking at papers and reading documents, you know. <laughs> Like and and arguing in, in boardrooms. That shit gets me. Like it's for some reason that shit gets me fired up. <laughs> I don't know why. I love that shit, man. That's my one of my favorite movie genres. It's just adults in boardrooms arguing about shit and 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 reading documents. And this is a this is a reading documents type of movie, right? <laughs> Three hours of niggas talking about theoretical physics and the consequences of building a weapon of mass destruction. I think that this movie handled it quite well. Like, you can kind of go into this movie thinking that it's going to be one thing where it's going to be this, like, hygrographical look at this mass murderer and, you know, a country basically just deciding that we're going to fuck a country up uh, almost beyond repair here with this weapon that is going to change the world for the worse, right? And you can kind of think that, okay, we're going to see a, a movie that's saying, like, oh, this guy's a fucking genius, you know, uh, a movie that feels bad for him and all that kind of shit, and I don't think this movie, I don't think Oppenheimer, for, for really one second, kind of says we should feel bad for this guy. <laughs> I think the movie, it, it, and one of the things I think, you know, Nolan isn't the best at is subtext, right? He He's not a movie where it's gonna, he doesn't make movies where it's gonna be, uh, you know, allegorical, you know, the, the the themes aren't going to be buried under layers and layers of messaging. He's going to come out and say stuff. And I mean, I think this movie kind of comes out and says, I was talking to somebody and I said, I think the movie, the theme of the movie is pretty clear. Uh, I would say somewhere around halfway into the movie where uh, Oppenheimer is mourning the death of Gene Tatlock. I don't think there's really spoilers for the movie. I don't think you can get really into spoilers. Something that happened, right? If you know what happened, it's a it's a it's a fucking biopic, right? <laughs> so I'm just gonna be talking about the movie. So if you haven't seen it, don't fucking listen. But as I was saying, Oppenheimer's talking to his wife, mourning Gene Tatlock, and his wife basically comes up to him and and just kind of tells him to man the fuck up. It's like I'm not gonna feel we're not gonna feel bad for you, you know, cause, just because you fucked up. No one's gonna feel bad for you after you fuck after you fucked up, right? Like you don't get to to play the martyr here. You know, you own up to your shit, man up, and you got things to do, bro. That's what she was basically saying to him. But I think really the, to me, that felt like no one kind of speaking directly to the audience, saying like, "Oh, this guy was just being, you know, wishy-washy and shit." And I think the Robert Downey Jr. character, Louis Strauss, also kind of had another moment where. Towards the end, he's kind of monologuing about, you know, Oppenheimer kind of not really knowing whether he wants to be known for, you know, making the bomb or having this big achievement and kind of uh, being a little bit of a hypocrite here. And I think, you know, you can kind of see Strauss as a villain or you can see him as a guy who kind of uh, understood that, hey, this is a guy that wasn't really... um, that wasn't really, like, uh, you know, solid on why he was building this fucking weapon of mass destruction. I think the movie kind of, 
<clears throat> floats the idea this wasn't a great guy. Like, 15, the five minutes in the movie, uh, the first scene, he's poisoning an apple. <laughs> he's poisoning an apple on his teacher's desk because he pissed him off. You know, I think, and then, you know, a day later, he's like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't kill my professor, right? <laughs> he kind of has an epiphany, like, oh, shit, that's kind of a bad thing, right? I think that kind of sets up the movie to not be as, you know, black and white, and I say that, and it's ironic that basically half the movie isn't black and white, right? And I think that was an effective choice. To be like, okay, these are the facts, right? The the black and white is what what happened, and then, you know, the the rest of the movie is just kind of, you know, no one playing with these ideas of responsibility. I, I think uh, I think there was a huge responsibility here in the U.S. Uh, in creating this weapon, or not even just the U.S. but the entire world, right? Handling hand, and handling these fucking weapons that can kill you know, 50,000 people in two seconds, right? Like, that's that's a, a big fucking, <laughs> you, you know, choice. That's a that's a heavy, it's a heavy topic, you know? But it's a good fucking movie, man. It's three hours. It doesn't feel like three hours at all. The editing is fantastic. I, I like the choice to go non-linear in this aspect. I'm not, you know, there are some times where that non-linear story, storytelling device to me, uh, kind of feels like annoying but i think it works here well here like that's the thing that got me about the prestige and i never really got into that movie because i thought the rhythm of the editing and the kind of going back and forth felt like, like i didn't like i i felt like the movie was like uh keeping me in arm's distance because it just kind of kept going cutting back and forth and cutting back and forth and it's just like just tell me the tell me the fucking story man <laughs> you know sometimes i get frustrated by that but I do like the way that this particular movie was cut, and I think the way that they told the story actually kind of furthered the purpose. Uh, and I and I do and I, and there was some aspects that I was a little bit confused on. Like I was the first time I watched the movie, I was a little bit confused on the timeline of Louis Strauss and Oppenheimer meeting. So it was that that aspect of it. I didn't realize that they had met. They didn't even meet until after. Uh, Oppenheimer had created the bomb. I thought that they had met during uh, that time, but this is their whole thing was after afterwards. So that wasn't clear to me until I saw the movie a second time, and that kind of uh, smoothed smoothed that uh, aspect of the movie out for me. Uh, pretty damn good movie, I would say. Uh, I think I wrote a I wrote a review on Letterboxd. I don't know. I think I gave it like four stars. I would say this is probably Nolan's second best movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dunkirk. Big, big fan of Dunkirk. Uh, I was just watching it. I watched that right before I saw this one, and uh, I thought this, that movie is just like... Actually, I watched this, I watched that one right after I saw Oppenheimer, and I was just to kind of, like, remind myself that, oh, yeah, this is this is the magnum opus of Nolan's career. Because that movie is, uh, you know, all fucking thrill, no fat on it. Uh, it basically avoids... All of Nolan's weaknesses as a filmmaker, pure spectacle, pure emotion, pure, uh, just raw energy, man. That movie is just amazing. I would call that a masterpiece. That movie I love. I also am a big fan of Tenet. Tenet is just a cool-ass movie. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I think the screenplay, I don't, you know, what to say about the screenplay. I think it's kind of, it's confused. I don't really actually know what the movie's about. <laughs> I'm going to say, I've seen Tenet at least 10 times, I think. And I really still, if you asked me to, like, give you a, uh, like, a plot summary, I would say, I don't fucking know, other than, hey, that one also has to do with, like, um, nuclear stuff or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> really don't fucking know other than that uh it's a cool ass fucking spy movie and i really like kenneth Branagh in that movie i love I, I think john david washington is cool as fucking that movie robert pattinson's cool as fucking that movie eric taylor johnson's cool as fucking that movie uh, elizabeth vicky's cool as fucking that movie everything's cool as fuck i just like that movie a lot uh it's a good vibe movie to just put on another movie with i think that's actually that's dunkirk and tenant are uh, Nolan, uh, apex action filmmaking, right? Like, that's when he, like, if you look back to me at the, at a good movie to look back at to see his progression as an action filmmaker is Batman Begins. In Batman Begins, the action just fucking ass. <laughs> just absolute ass. And I would say The Dark Knight is maybe a little better because it has that, uh, that car chase scene, which is actually pretty damn good. But even that one is a little, I think, <clears throat> I think in the beginning, Nolan didn't really know how to kind of like... I For me, when I'm grading action, there's a couple points I want to hit. Like, one, I think there needs to, the action scene needs to tell a story. I think maybe his action scenes told a, a decent story in that aspect. But I think the big thing for me is geography. I need to fucking see where things are, man. <laughs> if you're cutting... If you have 20,000 cuts in an action scene, and I don't know where things are, it makes it super fucking confusing. It's super fucking confusing. It really is. And I don't really think, um, uh, and it's not like everything needs to be, like, one fucking long take, but, you know, you can't have, you can't have 20, 20 takes in, in, in one fight scene, you know, where it's just, like, cut after cut after cut, where it's like that born ultimatum, you know, uh, handheld kind of fucking shaky cam shit, man. Just makes me fucking nauseous. I can't, I can't watch that shit, man. I just can't. But I, I think, uh, Tennant and, and Dunkirk are, are him learning, like, oh, okay, this is how I need to film action scenes, where it's like, <clears throat> people know where what's going on, uh, you know, there's clear geography, I know that this is in front of me, and if I cut to the scene, if the audience is going to be able to follow along, and it's, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's the cinematic language of action scenes, and I feel like I, I've watched enough action movies where I can kind of get an understanding of, okay, what is what is a guy who knows what he's doing, and what is a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing? I think you can kind of see that progression in him as an action filmmaker, which is, which is fun to see. Um, but yeah, Nolan's pretty good. Uh, Oppenheimer, four stars. Uh, I saw Barbie. That was, yeah. I don't know if I didn't like the movie or I just had a bad experience in the movie. I went to see the movie with my girlfriend. Uh, I was actually pretty excited for it. Uh, I don't think Jackie knew really much what was going on. Like, what, what the movie was really about. Uh, she didn't really see it. I don't think she saw much of the trailers. I saw a couple of the trailers. I liked it. I, I like Ryan Gosling in comedies. He's funny as fuck. Uh, he was pretty funny in the movie. Margot Robbie was pretty good, but I just didn't really think most of the most of the jokes were funny. Uh, the story's pretty good. It, it looked really pretty. Like, 
uh, shout out to Greta, Greta Gerwig on the visuals and the and her production team. They they did a good job on that. But other than that, I didn't have much to say about the movie. We also kind of had a weird weird uh, theater experience where we we got there, someone was in our seats. Uh, we got there kind of late. Also, someone was in our seats, and the guy was just like, "You're the only guy in the theater." Who the guy was in our seats, the only guy in the theater laughing. <laughs> Every time he was fucking laughing, he was, was kind of looking at us. I don't know what his deal was, but I don't know. It was weird. That was the thing we found most funny about the movie. <laughs> this nigga was just laughing, just looking at us like, oh, you guys find that funny too? And, we're just like, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, oh, not really. <laughs> but I'm glad you're having a good time, guy. <laughs> but yeah, that that didn't go as well. Um, you know what movie I, I just fucking watched? And this is a movie I've been kind of avoiding. I don't know why. Uh, I love Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson. As a director, he directed one of my favorite movies, Magnolia. Love that movie. There Will Be Blood. Love that movie. But for some reason, I had always, for, since it came out, uh, Phantom Thread. I had always kind of just seen it. I'm just seeing the picture, and I was just like, eh. Seen the trailer, I'm like, eh. And so I didn't feel like I didn't really need to watch it. And I don't know why, but I just kind of decided to throw it on the other night. And good God, that movie's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why I avoided this, man. That movie is something else. I don't know why, but that movie just kind of like mesmerized me. I <clears throat> I was just in after after like twenty minutes. I was in. Like I was locked into that shit, man. That shit is gorgeous, beautiful filmmaking, man. That is such a weird relationship. I'm not gonna spoil anything if you haven't seen the movie, but this is just. <clears throat> If you haven't seen the movie or don't know about it, uh, I would go check it out. Phantom Thread, by, directed by Paul Thomas Aronson, uh, starring uh, the great Daniel Day-Lewis. This is his last film performance before he decided to hang the hang the fucking uh, the cleats up or whatever the acting equivalent is. He decided to retire. But goddamn, what a film to go out on! Just a. I am not a romance movie kind of guy. But I think when you when you <clears throat> make a romance movie that is like A1, that is what gets me. And this is one of those ones where it's just A fucking one. And it, it's a weird romance movie. It, it is a weird relationship. There's a, some weird power dynamics going on in the movie. Uh, it's also a period piece, which is also something that I think kind of threw me off and kind of made me avoid it. But that I just kind of went with after 20 minutes. I was in. I didn't really care about that shit. Um, but yeah, that movie is fucking amazing. Oh my goodness. Like Sometimes you just watch a movie, right? And it's just like you just can't get it out of your head. And I have watched I watched that movie about like a week ago or something like that. And it's just been like lodged deep in my brain. <laughs> there's this one line reading where they're in the Daniel Day Lewis. So the premise is Daniel Day Lewis is this fashion designer, and he uh, meets this waitress, right? And he's just like, "Oh yeah, I gotta have this girl." <laughs> he's just like, "Yeah, you're you're gonna be mine," <laughs> in a non creepy way, right? He's just like, "Oh, I I think this girl's attractive. I'm gonna take her out on a date," and then they just you know are together, right? <laughs> It takes place, I think, the 50s, maybe? Yeah, I think it was the 50s. Uh, in, in, 50s in, in uh, English, 
you know. But uh, I think at first I thought it was like nineteen, uh, like eighteen hundreds. So I think that's why it kind of threw me off. But it's really in the fifties, so it's not that it's not that uh, anachronistic. But um, but yeah, they have this just weird relationship where this she, he's this like big time fashion uh, dressmaker or whatever. And she's just this waitress, and, uh, he, she, you know, starts living with her and shit, uh, but yeah, their relationship is super fucking weird, and I think my, <laughs> just one really, the, the, the one really thing that is, gets me is, like, Daniel Day-Lewis' character is just this, like, ornery, like, uh, like, tortured artist, whatever, you know, he, <laughs> it's just, he says the fuck, the most fucked up things there, it's just like, They'll be at breakfast. Uh, she'll be buttering her toast, and he'll just be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> like, <laughs> you just be sitting there, like, "Bro, I'm trying to have some fucking quiet, and you're over here fucking buttering some toast." <laughs> and then he just leaves the fucking room. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just thinking about it, and it cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> or he, she'll, she'll make. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna just talk about spoilers. Whatever. You haven't seen the fucking movie? Go see it. It's not gonna be a spoiler. It's a really, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's one of those movies that you can't really spoil in a sense, other than the last act. I won't, I won't tell you, you know, what happens in the last act, whatever. That to me was like a legit surprise, but there's another scene where they, where, uh, she makes dinner for him and he just is not to his liking. <laughs> they have a just fucking hilarious fight and he, he has this one line where he says, are you some fucking special agent sent to destroy my life? <laughs> <laughs> and he just keeps asking her, do you have a gun? Where's your gun? Give me your gun. Just show me your gun. <laughs> and she's just looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? Why am I here? <laughs> I'm just like, why the fuck? She's like, why the fuck am I here right now? <laughs> like, why am I with this guy? But it's just super, it's just super good, man. Uh, the music in it is, oh my goodness. To quote Ryan Gosling and Barbie, it's sublime. Like, that shit is just fucking mesmerizing, man. And that might be part of the reason I love the movie so much. That music's just like, I can just, I, I, I'm like sitting here right now, I can still hear that score in my head. But I love the way, <clears throat> I, I think this movie is kind of just kind of emblematic of the way Paul Thomas Anderson kind of crafts characters and he crafts relationships and he and there's all of these and you see this through line in his movie of just like these characters who have uh, anger issues who are like repressed or like repressed emotionally repressed sexually and it's just it, it kind of boils into like really interesting character pieces that don't go the way you think they're gonna go and i think i read somewhere where he talks about his writing process where he he doesn't write to a predetermined end he just kind of creates characters and naturally follows those characters to a natural endpoint, right? And I think if you watch all the movies, like Licorice Pizza, great movie, um, Magnolia, great movie, Heart 8, uh, Boogie Nights, whatever, he's never missed, by the way. He's <laughs> 100% one, you know, however many movies he has in his, in his, cat, in his, uh, catalog, all hits, no misses, bro. But yeah, uh, good-ass fucking movie, bro. Good ass fucking movie. I am, you know, eagerly awaiting the next Martin Martin Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. That is that is like I am if you 
I am just absolutely obsessed <laughs> with this movie. I can't wait to see this movie. It comes out I don't know, in like a couple months, I think. It's like, this is an interminable wait for me, man. <laughs> like, I can't tell you. When I found out The Irishman was coming out, man, I was like fucking hyped, bro. Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci in a movie. And now I get uh, De Niro and DiCaprio in a fucking movie, bro. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That shit is my fucking, like, that shit is, like, catnip to me. I love that. I love those movies. I love his movies. Martin, like, that's another guy that can't, that is, uh, you know, that can't miss to me. That guy is fucking amazing. The Like, this is just gonna be another movie in his American Greed, you know, classic, uh, uh, filmography. I'm just, I'm kind of, like, avoiding trying to read the the book it's based on. It's another true story. I want to be surprised, but I, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but I, I don't know, man. I just, I'm, I'm really excited for this fucking movie. But yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, with regards to the movie I'm making, I kind of want it to be a blend of all these kind of like genres, right? I want it to be a crime drama. I love crime dramas. I want it to be a um, a movie that deals with trauma. I want it to be a movie that deals with emotion. I think that's what the best movies do. They make you feel all sorts of different things, right? You know, you don't want to go into a movie and it's just like, oh, I'm just going to be happy this entire time, right? Unless it's like a kid's movie, right? <laughs> I'm not trying to make no fucking kid's movie, dog. But, yeah. I would love it to, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to watch all my favorite directors to kind of get, you know, inspired by it and, you know, take some ideas from, you know, how they craft stories. And I think, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Scorsese and he makes movies of, you know, oftentimes criminals, right? These guys are, are really bad people. Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Goodfellas, Departed, you know, these guys are morally bankrupt people and you look at paul thomas anderson he makes movies off of not morally bankrupt people but flawed people sometimes these are people trying to you know be the best versions of themselves but failing or you know people who are you know dealing with trauma because of their childhood you know in, in movies like magnolia and movies like uh hard eight and they kind of go on the wrong the wrong path or something like that and right and i think uh, I think there's lessons to be learned there. Uh, I'm watching a lot of Tarantino. I love Tarantino. I love the way his characters interact. I think he has a, a way of making characters talk. And I think that can kind of be of use in a movie, right? And I think if you just take all of those things together, right, you, you can make something good. So whatever. I'm trying to make something fucking good. So we'll see. Uh, I got some, I got some good ideas. It's going to be a crime drama. Right, uh, I have a, a basic premise, right, where it's like these two brothers are running a, a criminal empire, right, and uh, it's really about jealousy, about greed, uh, you know, family drama, family trauma, you know, uh, tentative title is Sins of the Father, but 
I don't really want it to be about, you know, fathers. And I think uh, in the last, watching some of these movies, I've kind of, uh, and even in my own experiences, kind of seen the importance of, you know, the, the maternal side of it and how that can shape you. And I think, you know, maybe there's something there. I think that I got kind of a little bit of inspiration in terms of understanding, like, okay, who do these characters mean to these people and why do they want to do what they want to do? I think that's kind of how you have to make your story. You have to understand your characters at a, at a molecular level, right? And I think that's what I'm trying to do is understand these people at an absolute molecular level and understand what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. So, yeah, this was, this is, this was fun. I like talking, I like talking flicks. Uh, maybe I'll do it again. Maybe I'll make an, another part to this. Who knows? I'm just sitting here, bored as fuck, waiting, waiting for a delayed flight so I can pick pick some people up. So yeah, thanks for listening. Listen to me babble about movies. Uh, yeah, this is, this is Trey's corner uh, segment of Corner Trey, right? It's my corner to talk my fucking shit, dog. So I'm gonna talk my fucking shit. So yeah, uh, peace out. Maybe we'll make another part of this, talking more movies, or maybe this is it. (laughs) So who fucking knows? I'm not planning this shit. Peace.